We're here with more Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up with Buffalo's cap space locked up. How do the draft needs now line up for the Bills? We take an in-depth look. Executive Director of the Senior Bowl and former NFL scout Jim Nagy provides a synopsis on the strengths and depth of this year's class. And we ask our one burning question. It's getting drafty in here. Thanks for stopping in here at Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. And as Bills GM Brandon Bean put it, Steve, following the match of the offer sheet for Ryan Bates, the Bills are pretty much out of cap space. He himself said their focus is now moving towards the draft. So that's where we turn our focus. And we begin with where we would assess Buffalo's most pressing positional needs. So, Steve, if you had to put them in order of importance, one, two, and three, what does your list look like? My list looks like number one would be a corner, cornerback. Number two would be a wide receiver. And number three would be an interior offensive lineman. Okay. That's where I'm at. And I can, I'll, listen to other, I'll listen to other arguments, but that's where I'm at right now. Be, today. Do you consider any of those a quote-unquote positional emergency? Uh, hmm. No. But there are huge questions around corner. Yeah. One I, about Tredavious White. Is he healthy? And the other, can Dane Jackson hold up for an entire season? And is Cam Lewis enough behind Taron Johnson, yeah. Dane or Jackson, Saran Neal, and, and, you know, is there enough guys over there that can give you enough play? I certainly think they need to fortify the position with more numbers. Um, they do have the undrafted kid who's back this year, Nick McLeod, good-sized corner who has some ability, but there's some development that has to be – made there so yeah I mean I would tend to agree with you corner wide receiver I think if you want to look at a position that might be a little thin in terms of guys you would feel comfortable plugging in for a starter should there be an injury I think it's linebacker you have Tyrell Mm -hmm. Dotson you have Andre Smith you have Tyler Matikavich and nothing against those guys but there's a part of me that wonders when do you address that position, especially knowing that Tremaine Edmonds is in a walk year, final year of his contract, fifth year option, and with cap constraints still an issue going into next year, I wonder if it's time to consider a more formidable succession plan if you're not 100% sure you're going to be able to pay Tremaine Edmonds probably what he expects to receive in terms of a second contract. So that's the only other one lingering out there. But, yes, I would like to see an offensive lineman taken as well. I don't necessarily need it taken right away, but, you know, somewhere in the first four picks would be nice uh, just to provide a little extra uh, in terms of depth there. Now, Bean did say this past week at the ownership meetings that Tredavious White's recovery from ACL surgery is a separate item unto itself and will not influence their draft day decisions. But I have to believe, if that's the case, Trey's got to be looking pretty good with his rehab process if Buffalo's GM can separate what appears to be a clear positional need from the player who has filled the CB1 position for the last four years that's coming back from a season-ending injury. So how much do you think positive signs in White's recovery 
now impact Buffalo's decision-making with respect to corner? Uh, it, some, for sure. I, I still don't think they're done with that position. There's no way. Even with Trey, even if Trey White had not gotten hurt injured last year, yeah. they're still looking for a guy because they had been trying to replace Levi Wallace for four straight years and couldn't get it done even through last year. And now they've lost him to, to free agency, and he's making you know seven million, eight million, nine million bucks for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, that wouldn't have changed that. Tredavious White presence did, presence on their roster didn't change that. So they're still going to look for a guy, a starting quality corner, and that to me says as much about it as anything more so than whether Trey's going to be healthy or not. I do think Tredavious will come back and come back in a big way, uh, and give him a level of play they're going to be very happy with. But that doesn't preclude the fact that they've been trying to get better at that spot for four years straight. I would say Dane Jackson's play is also a factor in this argument from this standpoint. Not to the degree that you say, eh, we don't need a corner. I think the numbers tell us they need to add a corner somewhere in the draft. But with the way Dane Jackson played the last five or six games of the regular season and then in the playoffs – I think has them feeling like, all right, we probably would like to add a corner here in the draft at some point. But if we don't get one in round one, we're not in trouble. It's not a catastrophic situation. And I think Dane Jackson's play has convinced them that if they have to wait around on a corner, it's not the end of the world. That's right. And I think maybe if you get to that corner spot – just like the, what I said, the receiver, even the linebacker spot, although not so much, they're at the point now where they've got to be able to think they're almost at the point now where they can say, you know what, whoever's available, best player in the draft, we're going to take. And that's where they want to be. Um, Dane Jackson certainly outplayed expectations when he came in at Thanksgiving last year. Certainly outplayed expectations. And – with Emmanuel Sanders being out of the mix at wide receiver and Gabe Davis playing as well as he did, with Isaiah McKenzie playing as well as he did when they got uh, the opportunities, certainly you can say, okay, maybe we're okay without Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so they're almost, and maybe they're further down this road than you and I are, mm. I think they're almost to the point where, yeah, okay, just take the best player. Uh, most fans aren't quite there yet. Yeah. But the, but the team could be. The conversation about receiver would appear to be different. Emmanuel Sanders hasn't officially retired, but he's one of their top three wideouts from last year's squad, will not return to the fold. And though Gabriel Davis is expected to be one of the top three receivers, and Jamison Crowder is the odds-on favorite to be the slot replacement for Cole Beasley, the depth of the unit would appear to be the concern here, right? Absolutely. I mean, Cole Beasley, I mean... He's, he was a tough dude, and he was always available, but he was, you know, it seemed like he was never 100%. Yeah, um, the last two years especially. Right, last couple of years. Um, if anything were to happen to St- Stephon Diggs or anything happened to Gabriel Davis, there's a drop-off. There's off. a drop-off. Uh, I think the fact that um, Isaiah Hodgins, how he's going to play is a question mark. Marquez Stevenson is going to be pressed into service. Uh, McKenzie certainly has played admirably, and I would I would say he's in the mix to at least compete 
mm-hmm. for the slot receiver spot. And then Kumaro. And Kumaro. Kumaro is a given. I mean, he's a role player, and if he if he's he could finish a game if pressed into service, yeah. that kind of thing. And I think Josh likes him and can will throw him the football. Because uh, Kumaro's got something about him that I think quarterbacks relate to. He thinks like a quarterback kind of, and guys, and he's an option. Uh, so I, all these guys have their pluses and minuses. And I'll say this: Isaiah McKenzie could not have played better when given the opportunity a year ago. I, there's just no way he could have impressed more in his limited opportunities in 2020. One than he did the year before against Miami. He was outstanding, absolutely outstanding at every turn, and their reluctance to give him more opportunities says uh, something about things we don't know. Uh, He was benched at one point last season, so given that, and Jamison Crowder coming in to compete for that spot, certainly, I think they feel good about their slot receiving spot right now. As you mentioned, they have McKenzie and Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgins has been in the pipeline for two years now, right. but could not get on the active roster. Crowder is a one-year deal. So even if you feel good about that, you still have to be thinking beyond 2022. And you don't know if Crowder's back after a one-year deal for $4 million. So I think you have to say to yourself, how early do we need to address the position, knowing we very well may need a starting caliber player among our top three as early as 2023? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And then the next question is, does that player exist on this roster right now, or do we have to go get one? Because if you have to go get one that's ready to contribute in a major way by 2023, it's it's probably got to be in the first two days of the draft at the latest round four. Right, but the, the good part of it is in the last handful of drafts, those guys are plentiful. That is true. There's a ton of guys, and you can pick your skill set from a number of guys. And the Bills have done a good job of finding them. Right. So I I, I don't think that would worry them, their ability to replace. Now, getting the guy acclimated and finding the right guy, that's the job. But the guy is out. you got to believe the guy is out there who could do exactly what we need him to do. So I think that mentality, I don't think there's a sense of urgency that if we don't have a guy this year in the first two days of the draft, we're we're – we're done for 2023 because we'll be back in the same thing and in, in, in a year like they did this year where Crowder they signed, but they didn't sign an outside guy. Next year they'd be in a position to say, this year we're going to sign an outside guy. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I that position is almost going the way of, for me, almost going the way of running back, not with the money or the importance, but with the plentifulness of the guys who could actually come in and contribute and not play well. Not to mention the cost of veteran receivers going up and up and up exactly. and up as it got reset – Again, they're almost they're almost pricing themselves out of the Tyreek Hill deal is insane. Yeah, I mean, I get it. A guy wants to take twenty eight million for him. a year. Good for him taking the money. You get it while you can get it. But I'll say this: I'm not looking sideways at the Packers at all for not paying him twenty eight million dollars. Yeah, they're fine because they're, they'll just they're going to go into the, this draft, maneuver around. They'll get a guy. Yep. Van Jefferson's a perfect example. You know, DK Metcalf is another example. You know, they're just, ch- there's an endless supply coming. There's, there, yeah, the college game is churning them out a, a dozen at a time. So get a kid on a rookie deal, cheap labor, save yourself money on the cap, 
and then and then make him rich and famous. Go ahead and make him famous. Let or, somebody else make him rich. Yeah, let somebody else make him rich and start the whole process right. over again. If you believe in your scouting department, you can probably still be a productive offense operating in that way. And I don't think the Bills are any different. And while player grade, as we know, with the Bills in the draft, Steve, rules the day over positional need, at least from what we've seen from Brandon Bean, I mean, last year's draft's a perfect example. Back-to-back pass rushers, back-to-back offensive tackles because that's what the player grades told them to do. Um, How quickly do they need help on the field at that position, wide receiver? I I really – do you think the Bills have more trust in Dane Jackson at outside corner and what's behind him on the depth chart or more trust in Jamison Crowder as the slot receiver and what's behind him on the depth chart? I would say they probably have more trust in the receiving side of things uh, because Jamison Crowder has led the Jets in receptions in the last three years running. Right. And Isaiah McKenzie has proven his worth to the club, so they've got a guy who can go in and step right in and go. Dane Jackson took him a while to get on the, on the field. Couldn't beat Levi Wallace out. Mm-hmm. but finally was put in because of injury to Tredavious White. The team maintained its number one ranking throughout the regular season. He got him into the playoffs, played well in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and you'd have to go in and pull it apart to, to know if he played really well or just got, got him by. Uh, certainly it's difficult to play defense against the Kansas City Chiefs, but they didn't play too badly against the New England Patriots. So... There's reason to be optimistic on both sides of that issue, but I think they did more for the wide receiver side of things yeah. to get better than they did by re-signing McKenzie and then signing Crowder with Gabe Davis finishing the year like he did. I think they got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, so I would, tend to, I would say the wideouts. I would tend to agree. I believe they trust McKenzie because of the track record a little bit more. And you look at – I mean, it's not really a Dane Jackson issue. It's what's behind him that you have right. to trust. Cam Lewis – Strictly a slot corner, at least as I see it. Nick McLeod, Elijah Griffin. I mean, these are two undrafted kids, totally unproven. Uh, I could see them putting a higher premium on getting a corner earlier in the draft than getting a receiver for those reasons. And if the Bills go away from cornerback or receiver at the top of the draft in round one, I think I already know, but what other position would not shock you at 25? Um. Yeah, an outside wide out, a big-time outside if there's one that's fallen or an interior offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, if corner and receiver, they go away from there because the value doesn't say something, you think interior offensive line. And I would tend to agree because most draft experts are of the opinion that the value is going to be very, very good there um, at 25 at interior O-line. And we'll be talking to Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy, about that, a former NFL scout for 18 years before taking the job down there in Mobile, and see what he thinks as far as strategy for the Bills at pick 25 in just a little bit. Good discussion there. We move along now to the numbers game where we're going to see if Steve can determine what positions the Bills have gravitated to in round one over the last 15 drafts. So, Steve... What position do you believe has been the most popular pick of the Bills in round one of the NFL draft from 2007 until 2021? Oh, 2007. That's 15 years? 
Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm so old. How about when did we pick? When did we pick EJ? That was a 04 or six or something. Oh, it was 2013. Oh, was it? I'll say quarterback. Quarterback is incorrect. I will give you one more guess. Most popular pick of the Bills in round one, position-wise, from 2007 to 2021. Cornerback. No. The answer is defensive line. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, oh, okay. Well, now, the second part yeah, of that con- question, <laughs> how many total picks do you believe there were? From that position group I'll in round one from 2007. Defensive line. Yeah. I mean, you can I'll name a few right off the bat that have been pretty recent. Right. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So how many first rounders? There's four. I see there's Ed. There's Greg. Mm-hmm. There's AJ was a second. Second rounder, not a first rounder. Um. I'll say 15, four. The answer is five. You're right oh. there, Steve. Yeah, Marcel Darius in that right. group. Um, Greg, Rousseau, Boogie, yep. uh, not Boogie. Um, and this is question three. Right. So how many of these guys can you name over the last 15 drafts? Round one. Okay, so go ahead. Round Third. one, D. Lyman. That's right. Marcel. Yep. Rousseau. Yes. Ed Oliver. Correct. You got two left. And I'll say... Ooh, that's a it's a tough one. Um, one is just returned to the roster. Oh yeah, Shaq Lawson. That's one. Okay, yeah, I got it. And me. then maybe one of the biggest swing and misses in Bill's draft is that history. Dockery? It Somebody. is not Tucker. No, he, he was a free agent. Mike Williams. Yeah, he was a swing and a miss. That's a swing and a miss, but he was a tackle. Um, Aaron Mabin. There uh, you go. Aaron Mabin. 2009. Oh, man. Yeah. That was <gasps> the biggest That's miss. That's a horror show. That was a horror was show of a incredibly pick. bad miss. Holy crow. An incredibly bad miss. All right, miss. question number four. What do you believe is the second most popular position for the Bills in round one over the last 15 drafts? Second most popular position, round one. Running back. No, it is not running back. Offensive line. It is not offensive line. I'll give you one more guess. I'll say wide out wide receiver it is corner really how many total picks do you believe there were from that position group first round first round over the last 15 years Steph Uh, Jairus Bird wasn't a first rounder right second round second rounder he was a safety not a corner Uh, I'm trying I don't even know if I can think of the rest of them so you knew there were five defensive linemen which led only be three or four right three so, Tredavious. So Tredavious is Steph. one. Steph Gilmore is two. Can you name the third? Ooh, man. Wait. Oh, he can see him in his uh, brain. Oh, I can he see He can that. see him. 
No, I think he was. Uh... No, I can't get him. Can't get him. It's my man, Leotis McKelvin. Oh, ah, Leotis, my man. <laughs> Doggone it. Leotis yeah, McKelvin, right. 2012 draft. Not bad. Not bad in the numbers game yeah. there, Steve. You did okay. Not terrible. Um, right now, though, new customers can get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We move on now to our guest this week here on Bills by the Numbers. It's executive director of the Senior Bowl and former NFL scout Jim Nagy who knows the 2022 draft class inside and out. Here is Jim. All right, Jim, let's start here. Obviously, we're uh, suffering from Bill's myopia, so some of our questions are going to be directed that way. And I'll start with this one, because the Bills, sitting at 25, are in kind of a tough spot to forecast what happens in front of them with so many picks. Um, So if you're the Bills sitting there late in round one, in what looks to be somewhat of a muddled draft pool without any clarity, like even on the perspective first-round quarterbacks and where they might go, what does maybe player positional value tell you about what the best strategy might be for a team like the Bills at 25? Uh, I think where they're sitting, guys, is is truly where you just have to take the best player available. Um, I don't think you have to reach for need. I think there's going to be a good player there. Uh, you know, the, the quarterback thing's interesting. You know, like last year, those five QBs in the top 15 pushed down some really good players. Um, and, it, you know, I don't think we're going to be in that situation this year. Maybe a couple guys uh, might push a couple guys to you in the 20s, but but certainly not like last year. So I think, uh, you know, you can stay there and address a lot of different needs, but there's going to be a good player there. I feel like the, the meat of this draft is probably anywhere between, you know, 15, and 60 you, you can really get pretty close to the same player that's why i think you're going to see a lot of teams trying t- trying to trade back and stockpile second round picks um it's going to be a really good second round this year you're probably got you have your finger on the pulse of this draft as an entire group because of your work with the senior bowl and you get to see all these guys at all the different positions you talk to all these personnel guys what position group is deepest in this draft well, I think you, you look at the pass rush group. Uh, I was just up at Alabama yesterday for pro day. Um, you know, they didn't have any pass rushers there, but we're just talking to guys, you know, from around the league, all 32 teams are there. So got a, a chance to catch up with a lot of buddies. Um, and really it's, it's that pass rush group. So, you know, you're starting up high with Aiden Hutchinson. I think, I think Trayvon Walker from Georgia is legitimately a top five pick. Just talking to guys around the league. He might be the most talented guy in the draft when you just look at the traits um, and it's really become a traits driven league. And I think a lot of teams are, you know, really hold, hold true to, to that philosophy is, is guys you can hit on uh, high ceiling guys. So, you know, those two guys, and then all the way through, I mean, they'll be staring at a, a good one. And the bills are going to be staring at a good one there, you know, in the twenties, whether that's, you know, an Arnold Evacetti from Penn state, a boy Mape from Minnesota, a couple guys we had down here at the senior bowl. Um, I would say from top to bottom, that's the deepest group. And it's certainly a really good tight end class as well. So you mentioned a couple of guys who might represent good value at around 25 at the pass rusher position, Jim. Is there, are there other positions that might offer at least what you deem to be value 
Good value for them at 25. I mean, you're saying best on the board is the way to go for Buffalo, and obviously there's no way for you to know who's going to be there specifically. But do you see positional value elsewhere besides just pass rusher at 25? Yeah, I think you'd have to look at the interior offensive line. Uh, really, in any draft, that's where they start to go, somewhere in the 20s. You know, your top centers, your top guards. and you I mean, you can get the best player at, at each position, probably right there where you're sitting. So this year, I mean, to me, a guy that I, that I love is Zion Johnson from Boston College. Uh, had, a, had a great senior bowl week down here, really operating at center uh, for the most extensive time in his career. He's primarily been a guard. Played left tackle his junior year there at Boston College, um, but really took to it at, at center during the Senior Bowl. And to me, he's such an intelligent guy that you're almost wasting his brain if you play him at guard. Um, he's so good taking command. He's so intelligent, uh, such leadership capabilities. So a guy like Zion Johnson, um, you know, Tyler Linderbaum at Iowa is another center. Uh, there's some really good guards in this class too, and Zion could be a guard. You know, if you if you've got if you if you feel good about your center situation, you want to plug Zion in a guard and, and leave him there for a few years, um, that worked too. So I would say interior offensive line is that's really the sweet spot in the twenties. You can get a really good player there. And also that's where I think you'll start seeing a lot of the wide receivers start going outside the top 10. And there's going to be that run probably through the end of the first round at wide out. Well, what about on the other side of the football, the bills lost the starter, uh, Levi Wallace, who came into Alabama as an undrafted rookie, an undrafted player in college, worked his way onto the field then was undrafted in the NFL and was a four-year starter for the Buffalo Bills. They lost him to free agency. They tried to replace him for four years, couldn't get it done. Now they have to. Uh, how, what kind of cornerback depth is there and what kind of, um, how far down the list of cornerback prospects will you think they'll get if they do decide to take one at 25? Yeah, and, you, and Steve, you forgot to mention that Levi went to Alabama not just as a walk-on. He went there in his first year on campus. He played intramural flag football. So what okay. um, one of the most incredible stories. Levi played here in the Senior Bowl. I actually, when I was with the Seahawks, I scouted Levi uh, at Alabama. So really cool to see what Levi has been able to do in his career and, and what Buffalo did developing him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be staring at a good corner there, too. Uh, you know, I think that you got you got guys like Daryl Stingley up at the top from LSU, Sauce Gardner, of course, from Cincinnati. I think those guys will probably be gone by then. Um, but you're looking at a group like Roger McCreary from Auburn, um, really good football player, has got has, has gotten his hands on more balls over the last two years than any player in college football. Um, so I think he's a really good one. You know what you're getting, a uh, really solid, productive football player, instinctive guy. And then there's some really high traits guys. You look at this year's you look at this year's class. A lot of guys ran incredibly fast at the combine. They're running, they're running fast again at their pro days. So, yeah, that that's certainly a position. I think at the run on corners is probably going to start in the second round. Uh, you could probably get a guy late in the second, the same guy you could probably get there late in the first. Um, it's kind of a flavor of the week then when you talk to teams. That, that whole late one to, to late two uh, spot at the cornerback position, it's really, depending on what team you talk to, there's, there's really a jumbled order there. And I want to I want to kind of get you to elaborate on that a little bit, Jim, because I know earlier you said, you know, pretty much from like 15 to 60, there isn't a great disparity in terms of level of talent of player because the depth is so good within that range. Can you just maybe explain to our listeners what that means when you've got GMs making decisions in that range and how it might impact their decision making? when they feel like, hey, I can slide back, but you also got to find a dance partner willing to come up. So maybe just walk us through how that 
unfolds in the draft room when there is such a wide range of players that many teams deem to be of comparable talent level? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a busy month uh, for Brandon B. And those things don't happen when you're on the clock, obviously. So the month of April is is when these GMs and the upper level guys, you know, in the, in the personnel department are really working the phones and talking to their buddies around the league and, you know, showing the interest to, to move down. I think a lot of teams are going to be in that boat. Like, but you're right. You need You need a trade partner. So trying to identify that. I think you're going to see some players in some trades this year. Uh, we're seeing more player for player for trade movement. Um, and it seems like more than we ever have. Um, and teams are being very active. So uh, going to be a busy month that way. But yeah, if you've identified a guy um, on your board, you kind of look horizontally on your board. And if you've got, you know, if you've got a, a, a corner in the middle of the first and then, but you've also got a linebacker right there um, and you got more of a need, well, let's, let's move back. So I think there's going to be a lot of teams looking to do that. Um, you're just trying to get value. If you could add, if you could drop back to two and add a third, um, you know, or a couple fours uh, where there's still going to be good players into the fourth round of this year's draft. I really feel like two through four because of, because of the COVID stuff. Um, there's some bloated numbers in those two rounds this year where there's some good football players. So I think that's what you're going to see a lot of teams trying to do. And I'm, I'm sure Brandon, you know, Brandon's going to be working the phones. Jim, thanks. We appreciate you carving out some time. I know this is like this is tax season for you. Like if you were an accountant, <laughs> I mean, you're like you're crushing it. I, we really appreciate you spending some time with us. No, thank you, God. It's not nearly as bad as December and January ramping up. Well, right. This is a really fun time. I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be I'll be excited to see what Buffalo does. All right, that's Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl, joining us here on Bills by the Numbers. All right, Steve, we now ponder our one burning question. In round one, if the Bills were to move out of their spot at 25, do we deem it more likely that Brandon Bean trades up or trades back? Well, well, that's a good question. He's done both, and I think in as the roster currently sits, as we're, you know, a ways away from the draft, might be more likely that he would move up on a day like if the draft was today. Uh, that may change by the time the draft actually gets here. But right. I think there's got to be – because right now I think they've got a little bit of a depth issue at corner. Mm-hmm. I think they'd like to get deeper and more quality guys at wide receiver. And I also think, as I've been saying throughout the, the pod, I think the offensive line, the interior offensive line, could use some quality depth. Although with Bates and Butker back, you know, we'll see. Um, I, I think there's a chance. At 25, things get a little dicey because there may be a really difference-making player falling a half a dozen spots mm-hmm. uh, because of guys taking teams taking flyers, teams trading up, teams trading out, that kind of thing. So I think right now I would say it's probably more likely that the team trades up rather than trades back. Brandon Bean's history is filled with far more trades up the board than down. I think last year was the first year he ever traded back in his four drafts that he's conducted with the Bills, this being draft number five. I think your points are well taken. If somebody is sliding that they covet, that could prompt a trade up in round one, even though you know – If you trade up in round one, no matter where you do it, you pay a premium. Trading up in later rounds is far less costly. I think we also have an issue here where there are going to be far fewer teams trying to get into the bottom of round one that would give them a dance partner to get out of round one. 
Um, my, <laughs> I know we're still a month away. My thought is the Bills are more likely to move up or down the board in rounds outside of round one. I think round two, round three, round four, that's where it's more likely that the Bills move around a little bit. Number one, because the cost is lesser in terms of what you would have to give up to do that, assuming you move up the board. Right. Um, and I think more teams are willing to play ball in terms of yeah. moving up to a spot where you can move out and down the board in rounds two, three, or four. I, I still think it's going to be at a premium. And here's the other thing that kind of serves as a little bit of a fly in the ointment in terms of the Bills trying to move back and out of that spot at 25. There is a general consensus, as we heard from Jim Nagy, that there is a cluster of players from about 20 to 50, maybe even later, that are largely deemed to be pretty similar in talent ability, what they can give a team in year one. And so I think a lot of teams are like, I don't really need to go up and chase that guy when I got a pretty comparable two or three players here in the next 30 picks where I'm not doing all that much worse. Why am I going to give up assets to go up and get that guy when I have somebody of pretty similar quality still on the board and should still be there when I pick? Here's here's one another thing to throw in that I think it's probably more likely they move up rather than back between the 20 and 50. The 20 to 50 range of this draft, those guys may be similar. Mm -hmm. The teams drafting them are not. The Bills in terms have of the grades they have, you mean on No, them? no, no. The teams that they're going to. Oh, like oh, the Bills oh, are okay, different okay. than the Jaguars. Gotcha. The Bills are different than the Chargers. The Bills are, because here's the thing. The Bills, you know, they're at the top of the heap, the heap right now. Yeah. Is a seventh rounder, sixth rounder really gonna strive to contribute this year to this team? Throw those picks away and get somebody who may. Or who's got a better chance. Who's got a better chance? This is, a, this is a club that, if you want to get over the top, you need a guy that's going to get on the field for this team. And there's guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds that have no chance of getting on the field for this team this yeah. year. So I think it's more likely the Bills will try and maybe pool some picks in this draft to jump up a couple of spaces to get, you know, what, one guy, maybe two, that can say, you know what, that guy could contribute in some way, shape, or form this year for this team when they're trying to go for the championship. And while I believe... I agree with everything you just said. I still believe if that happens, I think it's more likely to happen in round four, round three, even round two than in round one, where those six or sevens that you give up can get you to a spot where you need to be more so in round two, where the value isn't as great, more so in round three, where the value isn't as great. The deeper you get into the prospect list the more you can do with a six or a seven yes and the more variation there are in grades between teams they see traits that stand out to them and give them a chance to develop this guy where another team doesn't value that the same they you know the disparity between the same player is greater the Mm -hmm. deeper you get into the pool so if the bills trade up to get a guy at 42 rather than picking at 89 or something like of that nature They got a guy that really will do that. They got a guy that is they believe in more than the team that is trading out of that spot. One thing we can definitively say, there is nothing that's off the table when Brandon Bean is running 
a Bills draft. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Bills by the Numbers. We encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you make use of so you know when a new episode is available. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. We'll see you next time, everybody.